Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. We have an uh, awesome lineup tonight, as you can see. Uh, the pastor and bishop are at camp, and they are having a phenomenal time. And uh, tonight, we thought we'd give you a little of the future of Antioch. And, you know, you get a good appetizer. You get, you get to see what's, uh, what's coming up in the future. And, um, Adam, why don't you, or uh, whoever's up there, can you put Acts 17.6 on the, on the screen? And then we'll go to announcements and all that in a little bit here. But um, we're going to have Brother Bond on this floor really soon here. He has to go to work, so uh, if he leaves the platform, it's just that he has to work. And when they found them not, they drew Jason, Jason, and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. So my question to you, is that an accusation that is going to be railed against you three at one point? I hope so. That was the accusation. These are the ones that turned the world upside down. And um, we have a phenomenal group of young men and women. And uh, in fact, this Saturday we're doing AML reviews. And we have, I I think it's 20 to 25, uh, both young men and women that are in that program. And all three of these these gentlemen are... uh, are in that program, and uh, they're doing phenomenal. I don't think you've ever heard, uh, that's good, that's appropriate, heard uh, Brother Bonds, or uh, you might have heard Brother McGurk a little bit, and Brother Wharton, but I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I, I travel among all the congregations, and they are phenomenal preachers. That is the truth. They are all three phenomenal men of God. And they are all represent the future of this church. And when you look at them, there's nothing to be fearful about the future. There is a, uh, and it's not just the future, it's now. God is using these men in tremendous ways for the bond is in uh, Baltimore, North Baltimore. And he is the backup player to Sister Glennis. And uh, is a phenomenal keyboard player, Brother Wharton. Yeah, that's good, Baltimore. You can do that. Brother Wharton is uh, assisting Brother Trombley. And from what Brother Trombley said, that they're demanding him now more than him. So um, don't get too good there. And Brother McGurk is uh, at Impact Maryland. And actually, just so you know, I think uh, an article that came out in the Diamondback, which is the Terps paper we published nationally in the Pentecostal Herald, I, I think next, uh, next month, I, I think. So we're working on that. So, um, Brother Bond, come on up here. This is a, this is a great man of God. He is a hilarious man. I, I enjoy hearing him preach. He is a lot of fun. So, Well, praise the Lord. Come on, I said praise Jesus. Come on, we're in the house of God. Let's lift our hands to the most high God. Come on, we're in the house of God. Let's lift our hands to the most high God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, I'm just somebody that believes that there should be some hand clapping in the house of God. I'm somebody that believes that there should be some shouting in the house of God.
Come on, somebody should leap for joy in the house of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, come on, give him what he's due. Give him what he's due. Hallelujah to your precious name. Lord God, we lift you up in this place. Lord God, we magnify you in this place. Lord God, you deserve glory. You deserve honor, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And so we come to magnify you. Lord God, we come to glorify you because you deserve it. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, you may be seated. Oh, my, my, my. Mm. Ooh, Jesus. Mm, mm, mm. God is awesome. He's an awesome God. Now I'm seeking the Lord and just speaking with the Lord. I had all these thoughts and all these things on my mind. And, you know, I preached at Antioch before, but never at the Mother Church. And amongst all the people of God, the whole congregation. And I just felt to throw all that stuff out. All these thoughts I had and all that stuff, I just felt to throw it out. And there's one scripture that comes to mind, and it's um, 2 Peter 3, verse 1. We can get that on the screen. And the word of God reads, it says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stare up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Next verse. that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I just come right now to submit to you, Lord God, to your way, your will, and your spirit, O God. In the name of Jesus Christ, O God, I pray right now, Lord God, that your spirit will be, Lord God, magnified in this place. Lord God, that I be hid, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, and that you be lifted up, Lord God. Somebody, Lord God, is here for a word from you. Somebody is here, Lord God, to receive what thus saith the Lord, O God. And Lord God, I pray right now in this moment, O God, that you would have your way. Be glorified, be magnified in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I really thought I would be coming here just running, screaming, shouting, and it's all that good stuff, but um, amen. This is where he has me. And so, we have to sometimes be put in remembrance. Sometimes we have to be put in remembrance. We go thus far, we go thus far, and sometimes we have to remember where we came from. Sometimes as Christians, you know, you do well and you... You, you, you do well and you're doing exploits for the Lord and you're doing great things in God and sometimes we forget where we came from. And so sometimes we forget how to relate to people who are where we were. Sometimes we forget how to speak to people who um, are where we were. You know, you get all high-minded and almighty and you kind of look down on people. I know there's nobody in here. I'm just coming to remind somebody if it is. Sometimes... You, you may slip into what people say. I, I kind of hate the word judging. Judging. 
You hear that everywhere you go now. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. <laughs> Praise God. I agree. Only God can judge you. And I believe that he said a word that uh, uh, we are to live by, and that word is the final authority. And so nowadays, stop judging me kind of means like be quiet and let me sit in peace. Come on, let me just do me. Let me just live in the lawlessness that I desire to live in. Let me live in uh, uh, my way. Let me do my thing. And I don't want to hear nothing from you, Christian. Representation of God on the earth. I don't want to hear anything you or your God has to say. Hallelujah. Amen. But I want to look unto me. I want to look inward and what I say is right or what now society says is right is right. You know, nowadays what is evil is considered good and what is good is considered evil. And so with that in mind, we still have to uh, deal with the world. We're in the world, but not what? Of the world. And so, we, of course, we want to be separated from the world. We're called out. Of course, we live in holiness. We're, we're, we're separated from the world and we're dedicated unto God. But how many stay in the house all day? Anybody? How many stay in the church all day? How many have a job you go to? Not everybody, but every, some people. How many go outside? <laughs> I'm looking at my pastor. He's funny. Man, oh man. I thank God for that man. Amen. Thank God for him. How many live in the church all day? Nobody? Amen. Okay. So we go out of the doors. And so we have to interact with the world. We encounter the world, their way, and their system. Amen. But, as I stated before, our final authority, our way of living is according to the scriptures. It must be according to the scriptures. And so we cannot allow the world to influence us because they begin to say, are they too much? Are you judging me? Or you feel ostracized because you're different than what the world is. I'm a believer that we're supposed to be different than what the world is. Hallelujah. It's no mistake. The marks of holiness that we have. We have marks of holiness because we're different. Amen? But we also have a lifestyle that we live because we're different, because we're operating um, in the faith of the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on, that's great. I ain't talking about no Trinity stuff. Come on now. Don't, don't. I felt something come through here. I'm trying to get settled now. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> believe, I believe in one God. Let, let me clear that up. I, I believe in one God. Hallelujah. How many believe there's one God? One faith. One baptism. I believe that there's one way to baptize, and that's in the name of Jesus. Let me clear that up. Hallelujah. I wouldn't be up here if I didn't believe that. Come on now. I, I said, so, I felt something. Say, what? I'm talking about scripture. Galatians 2.20. Praise God. Ooh. Now that we settle that scripture, come on, let me, let me uh, find my bearings here. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we have to deal with 
the world. And we can't get so high-minded that we're no earthly good. I was in the prison um, yesterday. The first time I went to the prison ministry, I get so nervous sometimes when I got to teach, preach, or do something, y'all. I'm not lying. So, Pastor, no, I'm not lying. I'm serious. I know some people hide behind that false humility stuff. I, that's not me. I was sitting up here. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> My throat was locked up, literally. I'm trying to rush. Nothing coming out. Hallelujah. Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm trying to stay focused. I'm not chasing no rabbits. I'm trying to stay focused. Amen. And so, Lord Jesus. I was in the apprentice ministry. And the first time I went, nobody showed up. It's hot outside. They were all in recreation. Nobody wanted to come and, you know, sit inside. They wanted to be outside. Especially when you cooped up all day, it's like, brother, I'm not wasting my hour coming in here with you. <laughs> Amen. So, praise be to God, the next time we came, there was a young man that came in. And I was preparing and preparing to go and going and, you know, have a word and all that stuff. And on my way there, it was kind of like, you don't go and have to preach to these young men. You get down where they at. You get on their level. You find out what the need is and you minister. And I think too many times we go to the world with cliches of the Bible. I promise you, this is not what I had to preach. And I thank God that he's flowing. Listen, too many times we go with cliche of scripture. Stuff that we've heard and we're not even sure about sometimes. You go to recite a word or a scripture and you're not even sure. And then they get to question you about it and you like, well, um, yeah. Um, Jesus is Lord. Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus? Come on, we, we resort to that. Am I lying? We have to become, it's something that Pastor Valley said that, I mean, Sticks with me day in and day out. And I, I've been facing a lot of things in my um, family, going back and forth, um, outside of my home family, with my nieces and nephews, things have been happening. And it's something that he said. He said, you have to become affected to be effective. And I think too many times in the church right now, we're not affected by anything. You know, that, that didn't touch my house. That didn't touch me. Watch this. That didn't affect my church. How many prayed for the people down in uh, South Carolina? How, how many reached heaven for those souls down there? No, they're not apostolic. Come on, but they, 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 they're in a situation where they were in the house of the Lord had, conducting a Bible study. A gentleman sat in there for an hour. And after that hour executed a plan that was unthinkable. Unthinkable. How many of us truly prayed for them? I want to stir your minds up, your pure minds. 
up in remembrance that we need to be praying. Why? Because I want to remind you, somebody pray for you. Can I, can I tell you this? Somebody's still praying for you. Come on, you, you. Glory be to God, somebody's still praying for me. I thank God for that. Somebody's still covering you in prayer. I didn't have a praying grandmama, but I had a praying mother. She used to get on my nerves in the house praying all day. Brother Mike, you understand what I'm saying? This lady being there praying, going off. Come in the house, here she go again. Praying. And I'm here to tell somebody, if it wasn't for those prayers, I wouldn't be standing in front of you today. So I want to remind you that we need to become effective in order to be effective. What's that? Who's that soul in your job? that God's been speaking to you about. Now watch this. I'm going to step down. I ain't that brave yet. I ain't that brave yet. I ain't that brave yet. Hallelujah. Who, who's that soul at your job that God's been kind of putting on your heart? Have you been affected by that situation? Have you prayed for them? Have you asked God to open up opportunity? I want to remind you of this. It's the spirit that reveals to people who God is. It's the spirit that opens up doors and opportunities. So if you haven't prayed for an opportunity and you're just trying to take the opportunity, you might be moving in the flesh. I think I got to go ahead. I'm going to step down one step. I'm going to come down one step. I ain't scared of y'all, but I'm just saying You may have taken the opportunity by the flesh. And then we wonder why it yields no results. Because you cannot deliver flesh with flesh. Flesh cannot be delivered with flesh. That's why I understand what, what some of these, I don't even know what to call them. I don't. But I ain't going to go there because I don't know. That's maybe my conviction and I don't want to preach my conviction. I will not. But my question is, where are you being affected at? Are you only being affected in your home? Are you only being affected when it comes to you? Do you know some people aren't even affected in their home but what's going on in their home? It ain't messing me up. Some people lost their job at my job. I do contract work. And so you're not guaranteed. You got to go through certain things. And in contract work in the government, the government can say you got to go tomorrow. People left, and I prayed for them. What if that was you? Would you, would you pray for I'm not talking about what if that was you. Would you pray? I'm saying, where are you being affected that you're praying for somebody else? God bless you, bro. How you doing, man? Praise the Lord, man. God bless you. Welcome, bro. My man. All right. 
Where are you being affected at? Where are you being affected at? Too many times we're satisfied, okay, as long as we can go to work and nothing affects my church schedule. I, probably, I didn't come playing with this at all. You don't understand what I'm saying. I told I was up there choking. Like, I can speak again. Thank you, Jesus, for somebody praying for me. Where are you affected at? Sometimes we don't want to be involved or affected with things because of what? The inconvenience of it. The inconvenience of it. Oh my goodness. Praise God. Thank God for leadership. I ain't playing no games. Covered. Staying that way. Thank you, Jesus. But sometimes because of inconvenience, we don't allow anything to affect us. We don't want to go out of our way. To be affected. Right, Sister Trish? You know what I'm talking about. Sister Trish right there. Hallelujah. We don't want to inconvenience ourselves. Can I help you with something? Did you know that? Well, let me first say this. Inconvenience has been twisted. When you say the word inconvenience, it has a negative connotation attached to it. Inconvenience? I'm not being inconvenienced. What you say? Oh, oh, what's the young, I forget the lady name. I think she said it best. Ain't nobody got time for that. Sugar Brown, Brown Sugar, her, that lady right there. We are at the place where we as the church don't want to become inconvenienced. When we have a savior that was inconvenienced for the church. By his stripes, he was healed. By his stripes, he was healed. Who was healed? So we benefit from somebody's inconvenience? What? You mean that everyone in this room has benefited from somebody willing to be inconvenienced for your sake. So, Brother Mike, I guess you could kind of say that you don't really have love if you don't have any inconvenience. You do not, I'm going to say it again, you cannot really say that you have love if you don't have any inconvenience in your life. Come on, I got somebody mama in here that can testify. I got this woman of God right here and she can testify. Listen, you talking about inconvenience? Did you know, we, oh my goodness, we all say to, oh, we're going to another level, we're going to do awesome and great things and exploits for God, we're going to do this and that. Did you know that David did not go to, yes, he got anointed to do some things, 
But he didn't go to his next level or get presented another level to what? He was willing to be inconvenienced for somebody. What am I talking about? You know that David got summons to go to the one with his brothers and sisters yelling to do what? Take some cheese. Take some cheese. Kevin, take cheese. No, I'll take the title. I'll take the title king. I'm anointed. I'm the king. Woo! Good God. I'm somebody. And so I'll take the title king, but I'm not going to take that inconvenience that come with it. I'll take apostle. I'll take prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I'll take one of those. But you don't really want that because you don't really want the inconvenience that comes with that. Fathers have to be willing to inconvenience themselves for their children. Mothers have to be willing to inconvenience themselves for their children. Spouses have to be willing to inconvenience themselves for one another. The chastisement of our peace. Did you know it cost him something? It cost him something. Love is inconvenience. Where are you inconveniencing yourself purposely for somebody else? I would do that, but I, you know, it's not fitting my schedule. I got, you know, something to do. And you go home and watch TV. do that. I, I really can't. You know, I really don't got time. Oh, Lord. I know Bishop watching. Lord Jesus. I can feel his eyes right here. Just. <laughs> Pastor right, right there. Uh-huh. I don't have time for AML. But you're on Facebook. And you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Tangled up in stuff that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Did you know that was Saul's problem? Saul's problem was he fought battles before. He won some battles. He came to the battle with Goliath. And he was no longer willing to fight for the things of the kingdom. He was no longer willing to fight or inconvenience himself to put on his armor. I ain't going to put on the armor. But watch this. When it comes to us, Oh, we ready to fight. What you say to me? What you say about, I know they talking about, what you say about me? 
When it comes to our kingdom, are we ready to fight? Watch, watch this. Here's Saul, and the kingdom of God is under attack. His people is what I'm saying. I'm relating to the kingdom. It was his people. Okay? The people of God were under attack. Here's Saul the king. The most qualified one to fight Goliath. He was a whole head length. He was tall. He was whole head length above everybody else in Israel. The brother was qualified. He had the power to do it, to command the men to do it. Oh, Lord Jesus. Real quick. But when David came against his kingdom, when he perceived or he thought that David was trying to be king or rule, or he started hearing people sing David's song, all of a sudden he got stirred up. And he picked up his javelin again and wanted to go fight. We got to be mindful that we want to still fight for the kingdom of God and kingdom things. Be willing to be inconvenienced. Why? Because it's just you showing your love to God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let's... uh. That was tremendous, Brother Bonds. Let's, let's do that. Let's pray for, uh, it's a little bit different shift in the service, but let's pray for uh, Charleston. All those funerals are beginning today. Uh, I had the privilege Sunday of preaching at a Baptist church, and, and I mentioned, and my message before all that happened was, uh, the Lord is slow to anger and quick to forgive. And if you watched uh, some of the proceedings, the families of the people that were murdered by Dylan Roof, as they were interviewing this young man, uh, I guess through video camera or whatever, they, at the deposition or whatever that's called, uh, they said, you know, Dylan, we forgive you. And uh, so uh, as I was preaching this in the service, there was a, a young lady, uh, African-American young lady, and she, was, she didn't want to cry out loud. It was a Baptist church. And uh, she was just pouring down, weeping. And so I went up to her afterwards, and, and I said, I saw all those tears, and uh, I want to get together and do a Bible study. And so we're, we're doing a Bible study together. And, um, <laughs> the Lord can use tragic circumstances to bring about uh, awesome things. But um, as the ushers come, I, I want all of us to lift our hands right now and pray for, uh, for the city and for these families that are burying their loved ones. Father, we come before you tonight, and we pray for the city of Charleston, South Carolina, and for every family member that lost a, a loved one. Lord, I pray you would be their comforter and their healer, God, and you would be there for them in this time of, of saying their, their goodbyes. And I ask of you to use this situation, Lord, for your glory and for your honor, Lord, and that you would bring many to know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. We thank you, Lord, for tonight. We thank you for what you're doing here in this service. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, ushers, why don't you come up? And um, as we get 
into the offering. I, I want to make. I got a text from uh, Brother Brant Nielsen. He said, uh, Dylan Nielsen, I guess was named. I guess they call it Camper of the Year. Is that right? Is that what they call it? Camper of the Year. So, uh, uh, one of our own, Sister Heather, is uh, your son has got Camper of the Year, and uh, I understand they have. They're having a phenomenal time. And while I'm on that, uh, they should be back tomorrow. Your parents between four and five p.m. Let's uh, sing. God's not dead. He is alive. God's not dead. He is alive. My God's not dead. He is alive. I feel him in my hands. I feel him in my feet. I feel him. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a tremendous opener, appetizer. A couple just quick announcements before I bring the uh, next man of God up to the pulpit. Um, Saturday night, AYM is from 6 to 9, uh, youth uh, ministry. And um, they're doing water balloons, so come dress for water. And they're uh, serving a light dinner, so it's $3 for that. So uh, please remember that. Um, also, we'll do these later. We'll, we might pray later. Uh, this time, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I'm gonna introduce both of you. So uh, when you're done, Mike, I want you to just hand it right off to Jason, okay? But uh, I've I've known uh, personally both Mike and Jason very, very well. In the ministry, they oftentimes say you're there when they're hatched, you're there when they're matched, and you're there when they're dispatched. So Jason, I was there when you were hatched. I remember that. There when you, I saw. I remember when you were matched, and 
and hopefully I won't be there when you're dispatched. And Mike, I think I'll be there when you're matched, right? Maybe. Um, after, after much prayer and uh, fasting, Sister Melissa has agreed to marry Mike. Um, so after much uh, bribing and, and all of that, she's been willing to do that. Speaking of that, uh, also tomorrow, uh, Saturday, I'm sorry, Saturday, Tiffany Calloway and uh, Sister Tiffany Calloway and Brother Byers are going to be married in the, in the Baltimore Congregation Chapel. Uh, what do you call it? The, the fortress, right? The fort. At 12 noon. So if you'd like to attend that, they would love to have you. And uh, the reception is only by invitation, on, by invitation only, but uh, they would love to have you there for their, their wedding. Um, so this time, Brother Gert. Praise God. Praise God. So good to have my beautiful fiance here. She was a tough cookie, but she finally broke. <laughs> you can be seated. I'm going to read some word in a second, but I want to talk to you for a second. I, <laughs> that man just preached about half my message in another way, so this is about to be part two, and I'm sure you're going to hear part three, and none of us have communicated, so that's Jesus for you. I am so hungry for revival. I want to see something happen. I really do. I, I believe the name of Jesus. I believe it works. I believe the name of Jesus is the only name that we can call. We can see the dead raised. We can see people healed. We can see anything happen. I believe the name of Jesus still works. And if you don't believe that, I feel sorry for you because when I kneel next to my bed and I begin to say, Jesus, do this. If it be your will, Lord, do this. When he comes upon me and I begin to speak his name, stuff happens. And I'm telling you what, Jesus is about to do something, not only in this earth, but he's, a he's about to be doing something in this church. And if you don't believe it, I, I suggest you get on board. The name of Jesus, it works. It is the only name that has all power, all dominion, and authority. And if you don't believe that, you better start believing it. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Just the, let, me, let, me, let me tell you a story for a second. Just the other day, I was at the gym. This, this is the name of Jesus. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the name of Jesus. That's not my message, but I'm going to get you a little pumped up, and then I'm going to give you a little word to hopefully keep you going. I was at the gym, and I met this man, and we just got to talking, and you know, we you know, just had a little dialogue back and forth, and he said, I'm in church. I said, I'm in church. He said, I go to Bay Area. He said, why don't you get together and uh, learn about my business? Well, quite frankly, I said, why not? You know, let's see where it leads. So we got together uh, at the coffee store, and we talked for a little while. And uh, I kept looking for an opening to begin to minister to him and to witness to him, but it just wasn't there. It wasn't there. And if I was 17, I would have been like, have you heard Acts 2.38? You need to be baptized. And I would have just been, he would have been like, boom, 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 boom. But <laughs> I've learned that wisdom is the principal thing. I've, I've learned you got to walk circumspectly sometimes. Amen? Amen? And so I began to talk to him, and he just told me about his business. We talked about church. I told him my testimony, yada, yada, but that was about it. And I said, all right, Lord, well, we're, we're building. I felt to build a relationship with the man. The name of Jesus still works. 
We walk out of that place, and out of nowhere, out of nowhere, he goes, my wrist, I haven't been able to work out like I, in about a couple weeks, that's why, or a week or so. That's why you haven't seen me there. I can't really do any heavy lifting. And the Holy Ghost goes, boom. I'm like, looky, looky. Because I believe it works. The name of Jesus works. I looked at that man. I said, okay, your wrist hurts. Do you believe in the power of the name of Jesus? He said, well, yeah. I go to church. I said, you give me your wrist right here in the parking lot. I don't care who's around. We don't have to be loud. We won't make a scene. But I will put my hand on your hand, and I will pray in the name of Jesus, and God will heal you right now. Do you still believe that, church? Do you believe it? Well, I'll tell you what. He believed it, and he ain't even here, so I hope you believe it. I grabbed his wrist. I said, in the name of Jesus, I take dominion and authority over every sickness. I take dominion and authority over this pain in his wrist. And I command that you would heal him. And my God, the Holy Ghost was just boom, boom, boom. You could feel it flowing down his wrist. I looked at him. I said, you feel that? And he goes, yeah. I said, move it around. Let God show you he did something. We're we're not in the church, folks. We're in the parking lot. We're in the middle of the parking lot. When are we going to start to believe this thing's not supposed to be bent up in here? It's supposed to go out to the world. When are we going to start believing that? When are we going to start believing that? The name of Jesus works. I looked at him. I said, move it around. He goes, and you know how that is. I mean, let's be honest. We all kind of do this. You know, they say, take a step of faith. And we go, I'm getting there. And a little bit of faith comes up, and we go, oh, it worked. And you start dancing and stuff. But it took you a minute, right? That's okay. That's okay. There's a little bit of doubt. Who cares? I said, move it around. And you, see, you could see it on his face. He could feel the power. But when he began to actually give action and give, give action to his faith, woo, he started going like this. Yeah, Woo, wow, it feels good. He's like, man, it doesn't even hurt. The name of Jesus works right there in that parking lot. I saw him at the gym two days ago. He said, man, I've been heavy lifted. It works. Thank you. It works. The name of Jesus works. I can speak to any demon and say, get out of my house. The name of Jesus is powerful. The name of Jesus can tear down any stronghold. The name of Jesus. It's what we need in this earth. I'm sick and tired of getting beat up, passed around by these stupid spirits thinking they can do something to us. The name of Jesus works. He said, I've given you all dominion, all power and authority. I put it all under your feet. So you speak my name and you step in faith and it works. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Funny thing is, that's not my message. But I got you where I want you. I tell the Lord, <laughs> Lawrence called me the other day. But I mean, the name of Jesus works, so don't go, don't go sitting down on me because we're talking about Jesus. But I feel like the Lord gave me some understanding, some direction on we're not, why we're not using the name of Jesus. And it has to do a little bit with what my brother just talked about. Lawrence called me the other day, and he and I are good friends, and he was just, he always messes with me. <laughs> Dude's always messing with me. He's calling me like, hey, uh, he said, you're preaching Thursday night, right? I'm like, Lawrence, no. No. And he's just uh, laughing. He's like, I'm just kidding. Hung up the phone. Lord said, yeah, you are. I was like, 
And not only that, I felt the message come right to my head that second. I'm like, what? Pastor texted me the next day and said, hey, can you speak? I'm like, my God, all right. That must have been Jesus. But the message he gave me, I believe, is going to help somebody in this place. I want to talk to you about a king in the Bible that was used very powerfully. He was one of the most powerful kings that you'll ever read about in the Old Testament. But you see, he had a slight problem. And his problem was this. He looked at all the works that he did. He looked at all the things that he accomplished. And he began to stop going like this and start going like this. I believe the name of Jesus works, and I believe it's the only name that saves. I believe it's the only name that you can speak and demons flee. It's the only name you can speak and cancer and sickness has to go. But it will not flow through a vessel that is full of themselves and thinks that they're the only reason it can flow through them. I'm, I'm telling you what, this is not a showcase. I've, I'm, can I be real? This is not a showcase. I really believe I have a word for somebody. We're not up here just trying to do a little hoo-la-la and then hope you, you know, get tickled a little bit. I believe I have a word for somebody. The Lord dropped in my spirit before I even knew I was going to be up here. And I know this man's going to definitely have a word for you. And the man before did too. Second Chronicles 26. You can put it on the screen, please. I'm not going to read all the scriptures. It's kind of a lot. But it's a man named Uzziah. All right, I'll go ahead and start reading. Second uh, Chronicles 26.1. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother, her name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Notice, the scripture says he did what was right. That's the way it kind of started out. But he reigned for 52 years. That's a long time. I'm going somewhere. According to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And I'm not going to go through all the scriptures. I'm going to skip down to verse 14. It talks about how he built all these wells and he defeated all these people around him all these all these all these all these enemies against that came against Judah and he just destroyed them the lord just used him mightily in battle and they had great great victory and the bible says everything that he put his hands to they prospered he prospered but let's read verse 14 and Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and habergons, and bows, and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines, and invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks, to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad. This is what I want you to listen to. For he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Till he was strong. I feel the Holy Ghost. Until he was strong. The scripture goes on to state, verse 16, but when when he was made strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, 
For he transgressed against the Lord his God, and when he went to the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense, and Azariah the priest went in after him, and with fourscore priests of the Lord, eighty men, they were valiant men, and they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord thy God. Then Uzziah was wroth with the priest. The leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And long story short, he ran out of there because he was wrong. I want you to think about this for a second. Uzziah built some of the most incredible weapons of warfare. He even invented some incredible things. They say that even he possibly was the one that made the catapult. People go back and forth about that, but they, they talk about that. But something happened to him when he became strong. Something got in his spirit when he started looking around and saying, look at what I have done. <laughs> Listen to this. His name in the Hebrew, guess what it means? Strength of Yah. His name in the Hebrew, even he was born to be the strength of Yahweh, to be the strength of the Lord, to go into exploits and to just tear up the other kingdoms that are trying to come against God's people. But there came a point within his spirit that he looked around and he said, you know what? I think I can do whatever I want because if God is using me to do this, sure enough, I can sit here too. If God has used me to pray a 100,000 people through the Holy Ghost, sure enough, I can sit right here. Sure enough, I can be the senior pastor. Till he was strong. When he became strong is when he became weak. Because the strength of Yah was no longer. Because he said, I'm not going to play around with some boy that thinks he can come around and stamp upon my laws, my precepts. When I speak something, I command it to take place. My God, I'm, this is the problem. This is the problem. We get, we, God starts using us. God starts using us. And then we start saying, well, if God can use me here, sure enough, he can use me here. Have you ever heard of the oil that gets dumped on your head when you get appointed for a certain position, a certain place? You ever heard of order and submission? My God, there, there's something about that. And when you get under that, something takes place. In Uzziah, something went wrong. He became strong in himself. The commentator said the two things they say that blew me away about about uh, Uzziah. They said when he became strong, there are two things that happened. Zechariah died. That's his prophet, his man of God. <laughs> That'll preach by itself. Number two, second thing that happened. He was looking around at all the other nations around him. The East nations were kings that did priestly duties. Hello? Our problem is we don't like to hear what the man of God has to say, and we like to look at the world, like your brother was just saying before, you got, before I got up here. Well, the world can do that. The world can pray 100 people through the Holy Ghost and then jump on the platform and be whatever they want, or they can just jump into place and start be, and just grab the microphone and do it. What? Who cares what the world does? They don't have the incense. They don't have the Ark of the Covenant. They don't have the dominion and authority and power. The world doesn't have that. It doesn't have it. And Uzziah was missing a link. 
he was missing something. He started looking at his, his years and years of fame and started to say, look at me. Look what I can do. And the Lord said, uh-uh, I don't play those games. I might have called you the strength of me, the strength of, of Yah, but now you start turning it to the strength of Wah. You start making it about me, and it isn't about you. Forget Yahweh, I'm going to do it my way. That's not how it works. It doesn't work like that. It's Yahweh or the highway. It isn't my way. Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost because I'm trying to help somebody. Pride cometh before the fall. It's not just pride that says, look at me. It's the pride that says, I'm self-sufficient. I can do it myself. Jesus said, no, you can't. Without me, you can do not one thing. If you can't do anything without him, then why are you trying to do it with yourself? You're going to end up with leprosy all over you and you get kicked out of the temple. You don't need any more of that. And this is what gets me. If you read the end of that chapter, this is what gets me at the end of that chapter. When he was buried, he was not called the man who did exploits. They did not say, oh, there's buried the man that made all these things, these helmets, these shields, these catapults. Uh-uh. Matter of fact, he wasn't even buried with the kings. He was buried an outcast because he was a leper. That man, when they buried him, they said, here lies the leper. I am sick and tired of seeing people 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Oh, they were great prayer warriors. Oh, they could preach the house down. Oh, they pray this many people through the Holy Ghost. I don't care what they did. When they walk out, they, people look at them and say, look, that's offense. Look, that's false doctrine. They look at people like that and say, that person is not who they were because they got full of themselves because they were looking at themselves as not needing Yahweh. Are you hearing me? I'm not saying it in a derogatory way. I'm saying that's just the, that's the beast that takes place. You remember for what you last did. You walk out of the temple with leprosy. Unfortunately, people can start calling you that. People forgot about the fact that you prophesied everybody heard. They forgot about the fact that you prayed and millions of people got the Holy Ghost. It's, it's not worth it. The kingdom of God suffereth violence. And the violence, take it by force. This is a time that we need to step up and see something happen and not look at our self-sufficiency and say, that's all I need. I need the hand of God in my life. He might have, he might have done great, great, great things, but when he was buried, he was buried a leper. We don't need any more offended people. We don't need any more offended people that got up and preached this gospel like it's never been preached. We don't need any more people that start looking at things and missing out what God is truly trying to reveal to them. And they start to walk into false doctrine. We don't need people just loving money and for forsaking the truth because that's not who they really were. That's not who they were. But something happened. And don't sit here and say, oh, well, that can't happen to me. I guarantee you've had the thought in your congregation, your campus ministry, I'm in campus ministry, I'm talking about myself, wherever your ministry may be, I'm sure you've looked at what you've done, the Lord's using and said, why can't I do that? Why can't I be that? 
Why can't? Because the Lord doesn't want you to be that right now. Maybe he'll never want you to be that, but he will use you to go and destroy all the kingdoms that are trying to come against the church. My God, what else do you need? I see a thread, a commonality among the people in the scriptures, like Samson and Saul, even David. But thank God he repented in Uzziah. And I see it in the church. It's people looking at what they did or where they've come from, forgetting that and thinking, I am strong. I am strong. No, when I am weak, then I am strong. That's what the word of God says. So you want the name of Jesus? If you want the name of Jesus to flow through you like it's possible to flow through you, trust me, I'm not there yet. I'm getting there. I'm working on it. I got a lot of work to do. I got a lot of flesh. <laughs> I got a carving station just about every morning. I got to cut that off. Got to cut that off. My God. Before we're done, I can feed a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, I'm kidding, but seriously. I got a lot of flesh. So I'm not preaching like, oh, high and mighty. <laughs> Trust me. Morris, you think? Yeah, all right. Well, Morris knows the truth. My point is, we can look at these people that made these mistakes. We can look at these people that were used so mightily. 52 years, the most powerful king in Judah, one of the most powerful kings in Judah. His name, he was born to be the strength of Yahweh. He was born for that. But he said, forget Yahweh. If I can do all this and I'm a king, who cares what the law says? I can go burn incense with the priests. But if you notice, the priests confronted him, and they did, not, they did not chastise him immediately. They did not do any of that. They did not rebuke him immediately. They just said, you better get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. You're a king. And he got wroth. He got, it was rebellion. It was lack of submission to the word and plan of God. The scripture says, submit to God, resist the devil, then he'll flee from you. I'm getting my brains beat out. Man, I'm just getting. Sh- I understand that, but are you submitted to the word, the man, and the spirit of God? You're not submitted to all three of those things that I can tell you why the devil isn't leaving, and it won't until you finally realize I got to be submitted. Can I just be real? I'm, I'm getting really real, but I like to, so <laughs> praise God. The word says, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. But before honor is humility. It says a man's pride shall bring him low. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. You see, David could have walked down the same path as Uzziah and Samson and all these people. And notice this about Samson. I'm finishing up so I can hand off to Jake. Notice this about Samson. He got up to fight and do the same exact thing that he always did. And it didn't work. It didn't work. And the very thing that got him in trouble was the very thing the enemy plucked out first. His eyes made him wander, and his eyes are what got plucked out. You feel that? The enemy will say, oh, look, this is nice, this is nice. Boom, gotcha. Similar to Adam and Eve. To Eve. Oh, boom, gone. And when he got up to fight after his hair was cut, which was his submission, the spirit of God that was on him, Because he got full of himself, really, and said, 
who cares if the Lord said I can't go after foreign women? Who cares? I'm going to do it anyway because look what I've done. I just smacked them all up with the with a bone. They tell me I can't. I do what I want. That's the spirit of this age. I'll do what I want. That's that's the spirit of this age. That's what's going to get you in trouble. And Samson had that mentality, and he got up, started swinging, and guess what? He got his eyes plucked out, and he got his hands tied behind his back and thrown in jail. And he wants to know, why isn't it working? Why do you think? Because you made the same mistake Uzziah did. When you thought you were strong is when you were the weakest. When you thought you were strong, you were the absolute weakest. Without him, I can do not one thing. I need him in my life to lead me and to guide me. Don't fall into the trap of Uzziah. Don't be looking at all the people around you and looking at the, the surrounding countries and say, well, they can be involved with this ministry, and then they can just go jump and do this ministry. Then they can just be over these people and say this and say that. They can wear this and do that. No, 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 Uzziah. No, 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 no. That's not strength. That's weakness. That's destruction. That is absolute destruction. Some of you aren't liking me like now, but I don't really care. <laughs> I'm preaching a word. <laughs> I mean, it's a word. It's in the book. In Jesus' name. I'm just trying to be real. But remember, David repented. David repented. He got right with God. Uzziah could have looked those priests in the face and said, forgive me. I know I'm not supposed to be in here burning this incense, but something got a hold of me. I just thought I was too strong. They would have probably said, go on out. The Lord, and the Lord probably would have taken care of it. But he didn't. He rebelled. He came up against the men of God that were called, consecrated, to burn the incense, which he was not. So with that being said, understand that the world around you might be a certain way, but that's not the way God has intended it to be. The world, are, you might not have a man of God over you, but you need a Zechariah over you that's helping and leading and guiding you because Uzziah didn't make that mistake when he had Zechariah in his life. But when he lost Zechariah, he started making some big mistakes. If you don't have a man of God in your life, then you need to get one quick. I mean, call someone when this service is over and say, start speaking to my life because that's going to help you, trust me. I, would have been, I don't know where I would have been if I didn't have a man of God in my life. Do not be buried as a leper. Do not be buried when God has already put you here. You've been here 5, 10, 15, 20. I don't care if you've been here five days. You came out of the water speaking in tongues. God wants to use you. Just remember that you can't be strong without him. He is your strength. He's always your strength. Remember that. And pray for those people that have lost their way and gotten offended or, or have just left and, and tried to bump up against something else because they thought they could or they got strong. The Lord is merciful. about you, but I've been convicted with these past two messages from God. I know I'm not the only one here that's been convicted. Let's just raise our hands and thank God right now. 
Father, we thank you for the words that you have delivered to us tonight. And I am asking you to help each and every one of us recognize that you are speaking to us, Father. And that if we feel convicted by either of these words, that you would help us, that you would lead us to a place where we could get alone with you and find a secret place with you, God. And that your spirit would change us. And that the anointing of your spirit would rest on us, God, and change us tonight. That this just wouldn't just be another service, but that we could leave here changed. That we could leave here with a new anointing, God. Father, we come before you in humility, come before you knowing that we haven't met the mark, that we haven't, that we haven't met, we haven't obeyed your word like we should, God. We are here seeking forgiveness. We are here, Father, repenting so that you could strengthen us, God. We are here declaring to you that we are weak, Father, and we need your strength. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, don't wait for me. The anointing of the Lord is in this place. Don't wait for me. The anointing of the Lord is here. If you need to find a place right now to get alone with God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
I know this is not what we're used to. I know this is what we didn't come to church expecting. This is the way this has been set up. But God knew that you would be here tonight. God orchestrated this night for you. He didn't orchestrate this night for the three of us here. He orchestrated this night for you. Are you going to receive what God has brought here for you tonight? Are you going to respond to the word that was spoken to you tonight? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Find you, when you find that you're in the place like that great king was when he was when he got strong, your only hope is the blood. When you find your place that you're in a place where you don't feel impacted by the world around you, your only hope is going to be the blood. When you look around you and you see that you have made nothing but mistake after mistake, your only hope is the blood. In this house tonight, your only hope is the blood. The book of Hebrews says that it was the blood of sprinkling. That it was the blood of sprinkling. Jesus name. In Jesus name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus name. Yeah, I got 
Put Hebrews 12:24 on the screen, please. Hebrews 12:24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. You see, Abel was murdered by his brothers, by his brother Cain. But when God heard the cries of Abel's blood, Abel's blood condemned Cain. But Jesus Christ was murdered. But when God hears the blood of Jesus Christ, He forgives. So tonight, when God looks at you, He doesn't look at you with condemnation. He doesn't look at the blood that you've spilt with sin. He doesn't look at the things that you've committed. He doesn't look at the mistakes you've made. When God looks at you in your sin, all He can hear is the cry of the blood of Jesus Christ. And as long as you stay under the blood of Jesus, all He's ever going to do is forgive you. But when you get outside of the blood of Jesus, that's when the condemnation comes. When you get outside of that covering, that's when the condemnation comes. That's when God starts to fill you with leprosy. That's when God starts to destroy who you are and everything you thought you were. Because at one point, at some point, you got under the covering of the blood. But as long as you stay under the blood of Jesus Christ, God is going to forgive you. As long as you stay under that covering, it doesn't matter how many times you fall. As long as you stay under the blood, it doesn't matter how many times you wake up in the morning and sin. As long as you stay under the blood, it doesn't matter how many times you mess this thing up. God's going to forgive you. As long as you stay under the blood. As long as you stay under the blood. I don't care what you look like. I don't care when you look in the mirror how much of a failure you think you might be. I don't care when you look in the mirror and you compare yourself to all those who are holier, all those who are more spiritual. Because you can have holiness. You can have spirituality, but you can be outside the blood. You can have a form of godliness, but be outside the blood. You can have a form of spirituality, but condemnation. Your blood's the only hope of making, making it through this. I know you've heard this before, but it is critical to understand that the word that has just been preached by these two men, you can't get to that place without the blood. You can't find yourself in that place without the blood. That's how you stay weak is when you know you need the blood. That's how you stay compassionate is when you know you need the blood.
Because when you're at your work and you're working alongside someone who smokes all day, who cusses all day, who uses the name of Jesus Christ in vain all day long, when you look at that person and you say, he needs the blood just as much as I need the blood, then you can minister to that person. The Word of God says that each man is given faith. Each man is given a measure of faith. Each man's given a measure of faith. We all have a calling in this life. We all have a purpose in this life that God has given you a measure of faith to accomplish that purpose. But to everyone is given the same measure of the blood. To the sinner and to the saint, it's the same amount of blood. There's no difference in the measure of blood. I know he's watching or he will watch this, so I don't mean this by any disrespect. And uh, he can rebuke me and and correct me if uh, if he chooses to. That's fine. I stay under that. But the bishop needs just as much blood as the visitor that walked into this place. I need just as much blood as the one who's sitting on the bar tonight. There has been an equal measure of blood given to each man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we need your blood. Jesus, we need your blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need your blood. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God, praise God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus is crying out for you. But are you crying out for the blood? Are you crying out for the blood? Have you forgotten about the blood? Have you forgotten that it was the mediator? That it was the sprinkling of blood that has brought you to this place tonight? That blood is crying out for you, but are you crying out for the blood? Oh, we need to cry out for the blood every single day. Every day before we wake up, before we sin, we need the blood to keep us from sinning. And after we sin, we need the blood to to forgive us of our sin. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah.
Let's look at Jeremiah. I'm not sure the chapter, I think it's 37. And I don't remember all the details of the story, so please forgive me for not knowing the details. But Jeremiah fled Jerusalem. And he was accused that he was now a traitor. So the king sent him to be put in prison. And they put him in prison. And then I I believe this is how it goes. That then the king sent, or man of God sent, one of the two sent for a word from Jeremiah. And the king was not pleased with the word. He was not pleased with the truth that Jeremiah had given him. So they sent Jeremiah into the miry dungeon. And there Jeremiah sat. From my study, there's two Hebrew words for a well in the Old Testament. The first is a well that you would dig. And at some point, you would reach the water table, and you could start to draw water from that well. And then then there was another word for a well. And this well, I believe, is called a cistern. I didn't study this for this word, so that's why I'm a little bit hazy. So there's a cistern. And this is a well that you would dig close to your home or in your home or in a large place. Not everybody would have one. And you would fill this well or this empty space, this hole that you dug with rainwater and water that you would collect. And it was common practice at this point in Jeremiah's life that they would use these cisterns when they had dried up when there was no more water to be put in to this cistern, they would use them as dungeons. And so there Jeremiah sat in a miry dungeon, in a dried up well, soaking in murky water. His flesh was rotting away. There was no one there to talk to him. There was no one there to comfort him. There was no one there to give him food. And there certainly wasn't any fresh water to drink. And there he sat, rotting away in a dried up well. But then a man of God came and interceded on the part of Jeremiah. And he came to that empty cistern. And he dropped down a rope. And he told Jeremiah to wrap himself in that rope. And he pulled Jeremiah out of that well. He pulled Jeremiah out of darkness. Let me repeat something the man of God said here in the beginning. There's no flesh that can pull you out of darkness. There's no flesh that can pull you out of that well. There's no person that can pull you out of that well. My mother and my father are anointed. My aunt and uncle are anointed. My grandmother and grandfather were anointed. But not a single one of them could have pulled me out of darkness. They had to pray until Jesus Christ came along and pulled me out of darkness. Who are you waiting for to pull you out of darkness? It's not going to be the person sitting next to you. 
to the right or to the left. It's not going to be the person who's sitting up on these chairs during a normal service. It's not going to be your congregational elder, your congregational pastor. It's not going to be your spouse, your wife, your husband. It's not going to be your mother or father. But when you find yourself in a dried up well, when you find your flesh is rotting, when you find that you can't see the hand in front of your face, there is only one hope for you to get out of that darkness, and that's Jesus Christ. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, are you in a well tonight? Are you in a dried up well tonight? Are you in a dark place tonight? See, at some point that well gave life. At some point that well was there to give life. At some point that well was there for refreshing. At some point that well was there to cool the dry mouths from walking in the desert. But at some point, someone stopped putting water in that well, and that well dried up. And the only thing that was that, that well was good for use was to imprison someone. It lasted for a while. The drugs helped for a while. The alcohol helped for a while. Hanging out with my friends was enough to get me through the day. The movies and the music was there to entertain me, and I enjoyed it. It lasted for a while. It cooled my mouth for a while. But at some point, God started to dry up that well. At some point, that water started to seep through the surface. At some point, I found myself what was once a vibrant pool of water was now a murky, milky, uh, murky and miry dungeon. You think Jeremiah knew where his help was coming from? He had no idea where that man of God was. I'm sure he kept faith in God, but he had no idea where that man of God was. He didn't know when that man of God was coming. And so they invited me to church one day. My mother did. And I got to church, and there I was in this miry dungeon. There I was just rotting away. (laughs) Night after night, not being able to sleep. Time after time, finding myself just weeping. I can imagine that's how Jeremiah felt. No real reason. You don't really know why, but you just find yourself weeping. You just find yourself crying. You just find yourself feeling not depressed. Is that, that depressed doesn't come close to the feeling that you have. When it hits you alone, when, you're at, when it's night and you're trying to go to sleep, and it hits you right there. So they invited me to church, and I got to church, and someone handed a rope. Someone told me about Jesus Christ. Someone told me about the gospel. Someone told me that my only hope was in the blood. Someone told me that I had an answer, and that answer was in Jesus Christ. And so I set up a meeting with Pastor Joel, and I said, I need to meet with you. And so after hours, I forget what day it was, but I met him in his office. It was right over there. And the first words that came out of my mouth 
when he asked me what was going on and etc. The first and only words that I could say out of my mouth was, I need God. I saw the rope handed down to me and I said, I need that. So he said, let's pray. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to, how to put the rope around me. I, I didn't know what to do with the rope. It was just there dangling in front of me. What do I do with this? I, I know that I'm in this miry dungeon. I, I know that I'm, I'm in a life full of sin. I know that I'm in a life of darkness. I know that I don't know which way to go. But I don't know what to do with this rope. I don't know what to do with this. So he was there. He helped me. He helped me put that rope around me. And we started to pray. And the second we started to pray, I didn't know what was going on intellectually. I didn't know what was going on. I, I didn't know everything that I know now. But I started to shake. I started to feel something come through my body. I didn't know what it was. All I know it was happening. All I know was that rope was starting to get tighter. And then the rope started to pull me up. It started to pull me higher and higher. And I noticed that I wasn't hitting the ground anymore. And my feet weren't on the ground anymore. And there I was just dangling. And all of a sudden I saw a light. All of a sudden I saw faces. I saw kind of a, a hazy outline and a profile of people there pulling the rope and pulling the rope. And the prayers that were being prayed. And the tears that were being cried. And the intercession that was given by the saints of God and by the family of God. started pulling and brother pastor Joel Wright said all right we're gonna stand up so I stood up he said we're gonna raise our hands and he raised and I raised my hands and he put his hand on my head and we began to pray and then all of a sudden I saw that light not not literally I, I'm trying to make a point here I'm trying to give you an example I saw that light and I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost And I looked around me and I was no longer in that miry dungeon. I looked around me and I was no longer sinking in mud. I looked at my flesh and it was clean. It wasn't covered in mud. Mind you, I had been baptized in Jesus' name before that. So I don't want you to think I wasn't. My flesh was clean. My spirit and my soul was clean. And that's what's going on in this altar, on these pews, when you see someone receiving for the first time the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you would, on the screen, please put Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In the beginning, God 
created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness night. And the darkness he called night. These passages of Scripture, these verses, are not just an explanation or a story that we read about creation. This was God from the very beginning from Genesis 1 and 1, was describing a man after he had been saved. Because God first created darkness. In Isaiah, he doesn't say it up here, but in Isaiah, if you want me to give you the verses, I will. Isaiah 45 and 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, he's not talking about evil as in the sense of of what just happened down in Charleston, but he's talking about when someone rebels against God, then he will send evil their way when they rebel against God. So please don't let that be a stumbling block to you tonight. But he says, I form the light and create darkness. So God first created the darkness. There was nothing made that was not made by Jesus. He created the darkness. And he created the earth. But it was not good for the earth to be in darkness. It was not good for his creation to lie in darkness. So God created the the light. And after he created the light, he separated, he divided the light from the darkness. If you could put verse 4 on the screen. Sister Bailey, if you would come, please. And God saw the light. That it was good. And now here's the preacher's favorite punctuation mark. The colon. And we know that definition very good, don't we? I don't think I can even, I don't think I I can even give it right now. I don't know what follows the colon, explains and defines what precedes the colon. Did I get it? Amen. Praise God. (laughs) Bible with Jason on Saturday. I'm just kidding, forgive me. And God saw the light that it was good, colon. So this next portion of this scripture is explaining that God divided the light from the darkness because he saw the light was good. He created the darkness and he created the earth. But then he created the light and he saw that the light was good. So he divided the light from the darkness. That word divided is the same word as separated. He separated. 
the light from the darkness. Ephesians 5 and 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When you were baptized in Jesus' name and you were filled with the precious gift of his spirit, God looked at you and said, it is good. It is good. And he divided you from the darkness. He didn't just take you out of darkness. He changed your very nature from darkness into light. Hallelujah. 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 You see, when you look up the word darkness in the dictionary, it will come up as an adjective. You can use it as a noun, but the first word that I found, it came up as an adjective. It just describes something. It's just describing the absence of light, which is the true definition. But you see, in the Hebrew, it's a little bit different. Because in the Hebrew... It's a noun. In the Hebrew, it's something God created. In the Hebrew, it's actually a thing. It means obscurity. It's a place. So you live in darkness. You're not just in darkness. You're you're living there. This is your home. This is darkness. You can't find your way. So what do you do? You do the best you can. Picture yourself in a dark room. You're feeling around. You're, You're trying to find the light switch on the wall, but... You, 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 recognize the, you recognize the couch, but then, oh, who put that chair there? You stubbed your toe. And you can't help but follow your flesh. So when you're living in darkness, that's all you can do is follow your flesh. Jesus said, when you walk in the night, you're going to stumble. But he said, there's 12 hours in the day. Walk in the light. Because when you walk in the light, you can see. Right? Wow. Woof. Man, that was good. But how many of us here tonight are walking in darkness? How many of us here tonight are just finding our way through this life? One stubbed toe at a time. To now, all I have is bruised feet and bruised shins because I just can't find my way in this life. I just can't find my way. So we can't help but follow the flesh and the flesh is only going to lead us to sin and that sin is going to lead us to death. And so there we are, rotting away in that miry dungeon, covered in darkness. Here tonight, Jesus Christ is waiting to throw down that rope and to pick you up and to bring you out into the glorious light of his gospel. Here tonight, he is waiting for you to find a place of humility and to find a place of repentance and say, God, I've been trying to do this by myself in my flesh for a long time and I just can't find the way. I need your help, God. I need you, God. I need you, God. And he is willing. 
He is not only willing to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, but He is willing to take you by the hand and to lead you in the night. I mean in the day, in the light. He is there wanting to lead you in the light. As every head's bowed, every eye's closed, I know this Thursday night has been a little bit different. I know for some of us, for some of you, the kids are away at camp and you can't wait to get home for your last night of freedom. But I want to ask you here tonight, if there's anyone of these messages, I promise you we sought the Lord. We didn't come up here to perform for you. We came up here wanting to deliver a word from the Lord. And so if anything has convicted you here tonight, if anything here has touched your spirit and you need to respond in this house tonight, I am asking you to do so. I'm asking you not to miss this opportunity, Lord, for the Lord to touch you. I'm asking you not to miss this opportunity. Because Jesus Christ is here. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we commit these words to you tonight. We submit them and put them into your hands, Father. We plead your blood over each seed that was sown into the hearts of these men and women, of your beloved children in this house. We are asking that you would rebuke the devourer, that you would rebuke the adversary from coming and from stealing these words, but that you would find a place, a fertile ground in their heart for this word to grow, for these words to minister. In the name of Jesus Christ. right now. We're not in a rush tonight. The Holy Ghost is here. Stretch forth your hands right now. Let's get some mercy and grace right now. Power of the Holy Ghost is here tonight. Word of the Lord is here right now. here tonight. It doesn't matter what time it is. His mercy and His grace is in the house of the Lord tonight. We need
to respond to him, whatever time it is. touch from the Lord, lift up your hands right now. I'm going to do something a little different. Brother brother Mike, Brother Jason, I know you're praying on her. Come on up here for a second. And if you're in the altar, you can stay there. Okay. Mike, stand on this side. Jason, stand on this side. I'm telling you what. Ten years ago, this is not a pretty picture. You can ask Sister McGurk. You can ask Sister Singletary. This was not a pretty picture. And this was not a pretty picture. And both of these men didn't get to where they're at by the flesh. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ and the power and the anointing of God. Don't tell me God doesn't change lives. Ten years ago, this was not a pretty picture. 
It may be a pretty picture now. This man went from a 1.7 failing out of high school to graduating with a 3.75 University of Maryland. That You know what? And I'm not praising natural knowledge. I'm telling you that God transformed. And these are not novices. And that was not just fluff tonight. That was a word from the Lord. Right. And Jason, okay, what, what way we're going to close this service out is I'm going to have both you men lift up your hands without mics. Okay. And you're going to impart some of that light. So I'm going to have to pray your lungs out. Pray your lungs out. All right. And, and church, you want to receive some of that tonight? Okay. And you need to lift your hands. And when I say to you, brother, I want you to, I want you to loose that, that light. Mike, I want you to loose that power of God in your life. Upon this congregation, if you want to receive that, it doesn't matter if you're 15 or you're 50. The power of God is here tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to pray right now. Loose it, Jason. Loose it, Mike. I want you, loud as you can, I want you to pray right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, we loose your light right now. We loose the power of God to transform lives right now, to move on every individual. The power, Lord, that has transformed this life. And this life would go forth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We loose it. We loose it upon these people tonight, God. Upon this church tonight. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's praise him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your transforming power, for your blood, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. For those that want to continue to pray, Please feel free. We're going to be singing those two courses. For those that are done, you're dismissed in Jesus' name.